This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 2. Looking at John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 this morning. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we worship you and thank you that Jesus Christ came to earth and lived here among us, revealing you, the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you that Jesus did his first miracle at a wedding and honored his mother. And Lord, what a fitting text for today, Mother's Day. We pray that you would speak to our hearts as we look together at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is entitled, Honor Your Mother as Jesus did. It's from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So we have the example of Jesus, the commandment from the Ten Commandments. Remember that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That means he was obedient to every one of the commandments, including the one entitled Honor your father and mother, 
so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Jesus obeyed the law completely. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness 100%. Now, why is that important? Because had Jesus not been obedient to the entire set of commands that God had given, if Jesus had not fulfilled all righteousness, then he could not die for your sins and for mine. When he died, he would have died for his own sins only. The second reason it's important that Jesus fulfilled all righteousness is that because he did, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That is, because Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, he gave his sinless life for our sinful lives so that he, we, by faith in him, could exchange our sinful lives for his divine righteousness. So we're not only forgiven when we trust in Christ, we are made righteous in the sight of God when we receive Christ because he fulfilled all righteousness. Now let's see how that is fleshed out specifically in how Jesus honored his mother. The setting. It was the third day after the calling of two disciples. A wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Now, Cana was not very far from Galilee. So Mary and Jesus knew this couple. They probably had a lot of contact with this couple. There were a lot of people in that area that knew Jesus. And it specifically says in this text, Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. There's an emphasis on the fact that the mother of Jesus was there. Now you may remember that when Mary was but a teenager, the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Blessed are you among women, for by the Holy Spirit of God you shall conceive of the child of God, the Son of God. And we praise God that her response was, Let it be done unto me, the handmaiden of the Lord. She was responsive and she readily accepted this wonderful um, choosing of her to be the mother of Jesus. Now, why was there not a physical father involved in the conception of the Son of God? Because sin came through Adam, and because of Adam, all sin and are born in sin. But Jesus was born of the Father, so he did not have a sin nature. Now, does that mean that he really wasn't tempted by sin? If he doesn't have a sin nature, 
then he's not going to choose wrong. Isn't that easy for him to fulfill all righteousness if he doesn't have a sin nature? No! It's even harder for him to fulfill all righteousness and be obedient because he was tempted to the full extent of temptation. You and I, when we're tempted, we're tempted a bit and we give in. Some of us are tempted a bit more, and then we give in. But Jesus was tempted fully in every way, and he never gave in. That's why we have a sympathetic high priest who is familiar with our struggles and our temptations and our weaknesses. He knows our pain. He can sympathize with us because he has experienced the full depth and agony of our struggle and he's been victorious we praise god by this time joseph is probably dead and mary has been a widow for a while and i want you to just imagine this with me jesus never had a wrong answer so if you're looking for advice, Mary is going to turn to Jesus, as she probably had time and time before, because she's a widow. How many of you widows look for wise advice from wise advisors? You say, what do I do now? And a wise advisor helps you out. Well, that's what we're going to see with the example of Mary and Jesus. Here's the need. We saw the, the setting. It's a wedding in Cana, not far from Galilee. And Mary is highlighted. We see the need in John chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now that's a big problem. Because in the Jewish practice of marriage in the day of Jesus, a couple would become betrothed. Betrothed means I am engaged to you to be married, and it's as good as being married, except we don't become one flesh yet. And now that we're betrothed, it's my responsibility as the groom to build us a house, probably as an addition to my parents' house, and prepare for an entire year to make sure that I provide well for you, my bride. So imagine that this groom has taken an entire year, he's built this wonderful addition to his parents' house for them to live in, he's gotten a good job, he's working hard, he's getting everything in order, he's saving up all of his uh, drachmas and whatever they had back then as as uh, money, and he is going to blow it out with this incredible wedding. A wedding was not one hour. A wedding was an entire week. Seven days of having all of these guests, and you're responsible for their lodging and their food. That's cha-ching, cha-ching. A lot of money. So it's a whole year that he's prepared for this. But to have no wine 
is a big problem because wine is essential. It represents joy. Uh, the vine is a symbol. The grapevine is a symbol of Israel. I mean, you pray blessing over the wine and you share the wine to say, we're in this together. Let's celebrate. It's the centerpiece of celebration of a joyous occasion, the wedding between a man and a woman. However, they're out of wine. Now, Jesus' response, I don't want you to misunderstand it. When he responds to his mother and says, woman, he doesn't say it in a demeaning manner. It's more like in the South when you say, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So he's saying, woman, why do you involve me? Now, this is very important. Why is this so important? Because in the Catholic faith, this passage is used to justify that when you have a request, you don't go to Jesus, you go to Mary, and then Mary will ask Jesus. But this passage does not justify Mariology, the worship of Mary as God or equal to Jesus. She is not equal to Jesus. She's a human being who was a faithful servant of God. And at this point, Jesus is saying to Mary, woman, in terms of you are a human person, you are a servant of God, and I am now about my father's business. And when he says, my hour has not yet come, he's talking about the fact that he's on a divine time schedule. And you'll see in the Gospel of John, my time has not come, my time has not come, and then finally you'll see beginning in chapter 12, my time has come. What is Jesus referring to when he talks about his time? He's referring about the reason why he came to earth. The reason he came to earth was to die on the cross for our sins and to rise from the dead. So his time is his death, burial, and resurrection. My time has not come yet. So when Mary asks this of Jesus, this is very important. The teaching here is just like Mary and the brother, half-brothers and sisters of Jesus were outside the house and they wanted to see Jesus. Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers and sisters? And he points to his disciples and he says, those who do my will, the Father's will. Those who are obedient to the Lord are his real relatives. So even though Mary was his mother and he had half-brothers and sisters that Joseph and Mary uh, had, he did not consider them as relatives as those who do obey the will of the Lord. Now, the good news is that Mary and the half-brothers of Jesus eventually came to faith in Christ, and they're in the upper room 
in Acts chapter 2. But right for now, I hope that you're getting with me that Jesus has a mission. And that mission is not to make wine at a wedding. However, God being sovereign and Jesus being compassionate allowed for this miracle. It wasn't because Mary commanded him to do the, the uh, miracle. It's because Jesus chose to do this miracle and allowed for it. By the way, here's another point. Had Jesus continued to make do a lot of uh, miracles early in his public ministry, which was three years, the number of people that would crowd around him would prevent him from carrying out his mission. So part of the delay here is, hey, I don't want big crowds around me because there's a lot of towns I need to get to in telling them to repent because the kingdom of God is near. So that's another practical point. So what is the provision? Nearby stood six stone jars, stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So he filled them to the brim. Now, I want you to understand two very important things about this. Number one, ceremonial water was not potable. You know what potable is? Potable means it's water, but it's not drinkable. It's used for ceremonial washing, which the Jews would do as a symbol, but not for drinking. So it's not completely clean. Secondly, Jesus commanded that they be filled to the brim. Why? Because if they're filled to the brim, no one can say Jesus put something in there. He didn't have any crystal light wine variety and slipped some in there. It was filled to the brim, and had he put anything in it, it would have overflowed. No, it was no excuse, no um, thing that would take away from the fact that this was a pure miracle of God. The servants didn't know what uh, Jesus was uh, about, but, but they did it anyway. And by the way, let me go back here to um, <clears throat> the need. Mary turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And you know what? That is a good word for all of us today. Do you have a need in your heart? Have you run out of wine, something essential in your life? What are you supposed to do? Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Do what Jesus tells you to do. May his will be done on earth as it's being done by, heaven, by angels in heaven, willingly, obediently, completely. And so we're to obey the Lord. So these servants obey the Lord. They fill the jars with water uh, all the way to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. This is amazing obedience. You mean you want us to take this potable, not drinkable water, 
and give it to the master, the wedding planner who's in charge of everything, who's picky about everything, and you want us to have him sample this non-drinkable water? Right. And that's exactly what they did out of obedience. And when they did so, the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Now, why is this a phenomenal miracle? Because what does it take to produce wine? Well, you've got to have vines, you have to have grapes, you have to have fermentation, you have to have all of this process. And what did Jesus have to work with? Just water. Is Jesus not the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sustainer of all therein and thereof? Yes, he is. Can he make something out of nothing, ex nihilo? Yes, he can. Did he turn water into wine? Yes, he did. And who knew that he had done that? The servants. They knew full well this is nothing but a miracle. We knew that was water. We poured that water in there ourselves. We filled that thing up to the brim. And now the master is tasting it. And he says, mm, mm, best wine I've ever tasted in my life. How did that happen? How can this be? Well, the master of this banquet's so impressed that he praises the, uh, the groom. <laughs> he says to the bridegroom, uh, quietly and aside, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink so they can't tell the difference. But you, you have saved the best till now. I'm so impressed with your provision. And the bridegroom is like, uh, oh yeah, right, yeah, I meant to do that. Like, I don't know what happened here, but boy, was my hide saved. And we praise God because he's still in the miracle business today. That when we trust him, he provides for us. When he met the woman on the well, he said, if you will trust in me, from within you will be an artesian well of bubbling up fresh water that will continually refresh your soul. When you trust in Christ, he refreshes your soul with the living water of the Holy Spirit. And the best is yet to be. You know, the previous pastor, Pastor Bruce, I think gave everybody a fork, and he told a story about a woman who died and insisted that she have a fork placed in her hand in the casket. And everyone walked by and they said, hmm, that's weird. She's holding a fork in the casket. And they said, well, why? And uh, the relatives ex explained, well, our mom said, that whenever she went to a church potluck, the pastor would announce, save your fork, because the best is yet to come. And she wanted to be a witness to everybody that the best is yet to come. We got heaven. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, but it gets better. The best is yet to come. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The best is yet to come. Praise God. He's got plans for you, plans for good and not for harm, that he's, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, and he who's faithful will do it. So the praise, then, really belongs to Jesus. 
It ends in this passage with what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. They certainly found out through the servants and they wrote about it and what a miracle. And John is presenting evidence that demands a verdict. He says in the end of his gospel, I write all these things so that you may believe. Every story he tells about Jesus, everything he documents about Jesus and what he did and said is evidence that Jesus is who he said he is. You know, C.S. Lewis said that either he was a liar or a lunatic or he's Lord. No one could make the claims that Jesus made unless he's completely a megalomaniac liar, or he's a lunatic from a loony bin, or he is who he says he is, Lord, Son of God, Savior. And we believe he is fully who he said he is. The evidence demands a verdict. You've got to trust in Christ, but if you reject Christ, you're on your own, spiritually and eternally, and you don't want to be separated from God for eternity. You want to trust Christ. You want to say, Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. You made my life. I've been wondering why I was born. What's the purpose for my life? It's to trust in Christ and to follow him. And when you follow him, the new wine fills your heart with joy and gladness and satisfaction. Taste the Lord and see that he is good. Well, we've seen the example of Jesus, but it doesn't stop there because when Jesus is on the cross, what does he say to his mother? He directs her to the beloved disciple John and says, John, here's your mom, and mom, here's your son. He doesn't leave her. He doesn't abandon her. He makes sure she's well taken care of. You wonder why John, of all the disciples, didn't seem to be martyred and seemed to live long, it's because he took care of Mary. So did Jesus honor his mother? Did Jesus fulfill the command to honor his father and mother? Yes, he did. He honored his divine father and did his father's business of dying on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and rising from the dead so we could have eternal life. And he honored his mother and we praise God for his example. Now that's the example we're to follow. We're to be our, about our Heavenly Father's business, and we are to be honoring our moms and others in our lives that have had major influence in our lives. You know, we should thank our mentors. We should thank whoever has impacted our lives, whether it's Mother's Day or not, say to them, thank you for influencing me for good. Yesterday I attended the memorial service, the celebration of life service for Pastor Scott Dowell. He died when he was 56, seemed so young of cancer. But there at Neighborhood Church, many were there to just give thanks for the impact of his life. And I stood up at the very end to give the closing prayer. And I said, when I think of Scott Dowell, I think of 1 Corinthians 8.1 that says, it's required of a steward that he be found trustworthy. And Scott Dowell was a faithful, trustworthy manager of all that God had entrusted to him. His family, his faith, 
his uh, running of finances for the city of Chico, and I said, his life inspires me. Who inspires you? Who blessed you? Make sure to say thank you to them while they're still alive, which I did say to Scott many times. And if your mom's still alive, thank her. And if she's in heaven, thank your heavenly father for her. Would you join with me in prayer? The most honoring thing you can do right now is to trust in Jesus. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, realize you can't atone for your sin. You can't pay for the wrong you've done in the presence of God. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Would you just simply say, yes, Lord, I agree. I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've not lived perfectly. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I need his shed blood to wash away all my sins. I trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior from sin and from hell. And I need you to save my soul. Come into my life, Jesus, by your Spirit right now. Would you pray that? Just say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life by your Spirit right now. I believe in you and I want to follow you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for those who have been mentors, those who have influenced us. Thank you for our moms. And um, thank you that uh, we're going to see our moms who have trusted in you when we get to heaven and we'll get to thank them all over again. But Jesus, we worship you. You are Lord of all. And we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.